Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination. So pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Thermador at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Very, very winnable game for your Pittsburgh Steelers on yes. Monday Night Football. I know it's on the road. It's a primetime game on the road, and those Colts are playing tough for their new coach, Jeff Saturday. I'm not kidding. They are. I'm not, yeah, I didn't think you were kidding. But I think this is a winnable game. I. View these two teams as kind of equal. Equals. To be honest with you, it's not. I mean, maybe the Steelers, by the record, defensively, the Steelers have more star power, especially with yeah. Darius Leonard being out for the Colts, who I think is one of the best inside linebackers in football. But the Colts still have a very strong defense statistically. The Steelers statistically, their defense can lack, and week mm-hmm. to week, it's kind of a up and down performance from them lately. But they have the elite playmakers to be an elite defense for at least one Monday night mm-hmm. or any given Sunday, as they like to say. But offensively, I think they're both working with the same kind of weaponry. The Steelers have a lot more potential on their side, though, mm. where the Colts have a lot of guys that I think have either reached their ceiling or passed their prime, or if they're going to get to their ceiling, it's not anything that's going to be game-changing. Like, receiver-wise, Pittman's good. He's never going to be anything more than just good. Right. The line is getting older. Quentin Nelson no yeah. longer can be classified as the best guard in football where he was for a long time. Jonathan Taylor's elite, and he's playing more elite as he gets more touches now. Right. I think Jeff Saturday kind of said, he why said, why are we passing being so much? used? Yeah. And Matt Ryan's washed. So Washed. I mean, beyond wash. The offense for the Colts is in a much worse spot than the Steelers. I think overall they have the better player right now in Jonathan Taylor. But as a whole, everybody else is kind of where they're going to be or they're going to start going down. And with the Steelers, pick a player on that roster. And I know that there's been some spinning of the tires this year. But the arrow's still pointing up potential-wise for pretty much anyone you would point out to me. Yeah, I think your point of Jonathan Taylor being the best player offensively between the two teams is correct. But then the next, like, five guys are all Steelers, right? It's going to be the next are, like, Deontay, Najee, Pat, Pickens. So maybe then the next four. Yeah, I don't know where one of the guard, like where one of the offensive linemen would weigh in there, and also I, I just meant like in terms skill of position players, skill position players. Pittman might sneak in there. I don't know a little. He's having I a better know. year than Deontay. There's no question. That's about true, that. but I mean, yeah, okay, I see it. He's their best receiver. Yeah, I mean, he was 
he was highly touted coming out of Ohio State as a rookie. I just feel kind of bad that he hasn't had a quarterback really to be able to really elevate him or at least pair well with him. But because of that, I on a, over a course of a career, Deontay has had a better career because I think they came out in the same draft, did they not? You might be right about that. Um, and then over the course, if that's true, if not give or so, give or take one year, then I would still say in that short amount of time over their careers that Deontay's had the better career. Did you look it up? Uh, I was going to, but then pro football focus froze on me. So, yeah, that's great. Uh, he was drafted in the 2020 draft. Okay, so a year after. So yes. a year younger than Deontay, or a year less in the league than Deontay. So about that same time, I'd still say Deontay's had the better career. And I think over everybody, of all, of all the receivers, really, George Pickens has the highest ceiling. Highest ceiling. And everybody, like I said, everybody on that roster has a high ceiling right now if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that... Everybody on that roster, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, has a high high ceiling right now. And when you're the Colts, what do you look at and hope for? That you're just going to run the ball a billion times with Jonathan Taylor? And with T.J. Watt back, yeah, you can't do that. The Steelers have had very good, have had a better season since the return of T.J. I know Samaji P. Ryan got active in the passing game, but really the Ra- or sorry the, the Ravens. I meant the Bengals didn't really have much of a rushing attack on Sunday. This past week. No, they did not. TJ Watt was an animal uh, again, I think, in that Bengals game. It didn't translate into sacks, mm. but he was so disruptive. And you could tell that the Bengals game plan that was executed extremely well was all centered around him mm. and focusing on him first and foremost. Colts are going to have to do the same thing. Heading into the game against the Bengals last week, 3.6 sacks allowed by that Cincinnati offensive line. It was the mm-hmm. worst mark in football. Now, they only gave up two. They got themselves out of the basement. They now give up 3.4. Yielding way to the Indianapolis Colts to be there in the basement at 3.6 sacks per game. So, once again, you're staring the worst offensive line as far as that number is concerned right in the eye, and you really need to get a little bit more pressure and successful pressure on Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan gets rid of the ball really quickly, about 2.57 seconds. But when he does... But he's not as efficient like Joe sure, Burrow anymore. Right. Although he does have the second highest completion percentage in the NFL, behind Geno. Still Geno Smith, Smith, right? Smith, yes. Okay. So he does it not to the tune of going down the field like Joe Burrow, though. His depth of target is nowhere near Joe Burrow, and no. he's just not young and athletic like Joe. And Burrow anymore. when he does get rid of the ball, too, Tom. Sometimes it's a fumble, and sometimes it's an interception. Right? He, I believe he still leads the league, if not he's in the top three, in all the major categories of sacks taken, interceptions thrown, and fumbles by a quarterback. Well, we know he's not number one as far as interceptions, at least if the same thing held last week where Josh Allen led the league in interceptions. Not there yet. There was, point, has, though, there was a point, though. There was a point, and this he wasn't— He has nine. I think Allen has ten. There wasn't—it wasn't very long ago. This wasn't, like, only up until week four. It was pretty deep into the season where Matt Ryan had the most sacks taken, the most interceptions thrown, and the most, most fumbles lost by a quarterback in the NFL. So you don't want to be anywhere near the top of that list in any of those three categories. He was number one for all three. 
I will give Jeff Saturday credit here for one thing about sure. Bell Ellis. Let's hear it. I, I think he's actually been a pretty good motivator. Yeah, it's it, that. That's not I what think... I was going to say. Oh, though. Okay, but okay. I'm just saying there's other things that he does oh, give credit okay. for. But the okay. main thing is guiding the Colts back to their identity offensively. Right. They passed the ball 62 percent of the time this year, but that's seen a major drop off in the past couple of weeks since Saturday came in. They almost forgot about Jonathan Taylor as the season was under Frank Reich's tutelage. And now you see them starting to get back to that ground game. I mean, they were bottom of the league. I think only uh, the Cowboys or the Buccaneers, were, as the Buccaneers, are worse in expected points added on the ground. They're only averaging like 97 rushing yards per game. It doesn't add up when you think about how good Jonathan Taylor is and how not as good the offensive line is, but they still have got some dudes up there. It was just an identity issue. They were yeah. getting away from what I think made them so great, and that's one thing where I give him credit more than anywhere else is whether it was him deciding to do that, whether it was taking the straw poll of his coaching staff and deciding, yep, you're right, that coaching staff, uh, the ideas that you're bringing to me about getting back to the run, I want to stick to that. I want to get back to that. So I give him massive credit. Either way, he got to that point, that he got to the point where we need to start running the football more. Yeah, I mean, that's what you should have done. I don't understand. Frank Reich, who was the head coach that was fired before Jeff Saturday was brought in, was there last season. Did he not remember how great Jonathan Taylor was, how unstoppable he was? It is bizarre. I don't know if that's more of a—maybe it's a case of a coach Maybe it was the quarterback change that he thought, okay, well, I was with Carson Wentz last year. And I was with Philip Rivers the year before those or before that, and I think Matt Ryan's much better. So no, I'll put the it ball couldn't in. have been that. No chance. <laughs> Philip Rivers is better than all of them compared to in my. Well, mind, maybe he thought, but maybe he maybe thought he entering thought that, the season, Matt Ryan is going to be better. But I also think what happened was he did it with Philip Rivers. They ran the hell out of the ball. They lost in the first round of Buffalo. He did it with Carson Wentz. They ran the hell out of the ball. Even they more got so, upset upset by Jacksonville. Couldn't win. Couldn't go to the playoffs. Maybe he was just looking back and saying, I need to it pass the ball a little yeah, bit more. It didn't work. Like, I need to, yeah. and, and in doing so kind of got way too far away from the real identity. Maybe you just needed to pass the ball a little bit more, not a lot more. And he went just too far in the extreme in that direction. That's how you lose a job. And that's yeah. how he I mean, that's how job. he lost his job. But yeah, Saturday has really gotten them back to that identity that I think we all expected from them at the beginning of the year, which was they're going to be able to run the football and they're going to play really good defense. They've been playing really good defense quietly all year long. I mean, they're the fifth total defense as far as yards per game allowed is concerned. So no problems as far as that uh, matters. When it comes to this topping, Jonathan Taylor, though, and when it uh-huh. comes to the Steelers, how surprising is it to you? Okay. And maybe it shouldn't be this surprising. But when I tell you that they're the seventh best rushing defense in the NFL— doesn't that tickle you a little bit? Isn't that the one spot that you can circle and be like, wow, they were really bad at that last year, mm-hmm. and now they're trending towards being in the top five at it this year? Improvement. That's improvement. Tangible improvement. Yes. They're really good at stopping the run all of a sudden. Yeah, and I think it has to do with the personnel too, Tom. Given the personnel the year prior compared to this year, Tom, I think it's not hard to see why. I mean, they're up there with teams like the Commanders, stacked defensive line. The Chiefs, great players on the defensive line. Chris Jones. Uh-huh. The Rams, who stink, but their defensive line is still well, elite. Well, because guess who they have. All right, <laughs> who's running on that defensive line? Right. The Ravens, always good against the run. The Titans, Vrabel's never going to let you run on them. The, no. Like, these are the company that you keep now as a Steeler 
Whereas last is, year, I mean, this is where they should have been last year. They just got unlucky so... with the Stefan Tuit in, uh, uh, situation and the Tyson Alualu injury. Other than Nick Chubb, though, and I think that the defense is obviously healthier this game with mm-hmm. T.J. Watt being back, but and gelling more so as a run defense than they were in that Thursday night game where Chubb actually did a lot of damage against them. Yeah, this is the best running back that they're going to face. Yeah, I guess a lot of people could have said Mixon. No, and would, would you rather have Taylor? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you're saying like, in people terms, would say that. Yeah, people could well, say. Well, people would be wrong because Mixon's not as good of a back as Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, people could say that um, Mixon's up there in terms of talented running backs that the Steelers would have faced this year. I'm not saying that he was right there behind or or neck and neck with Chubb. And Taylor, but he's up there. Like that would that could have been a test. However, with the injury that he suffered, it, it really didn't unfold over the course of the entire game. And Samaji Piran was still an issue. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds. You know the basketball nerds. Like, you know, get Creighton. You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, going to the, not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton? Is a is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to like you know Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you? T- why are you tell me the whole time? <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm going to be excited to see this test, though, for the Steelers' defense. If yeah, they can sure. limit Jonathan Taylor to minimal damage on the ground, and also 103.4 is what they give up on the ground per game right now for seventh in the league, I would love at the end of the year for that to be under the century mark. Yeah, I think that's always a good sign. When, you, when your run defense can average less than 100 yards against and your pass defense can allow less than 200 yards against, that's a really good sign. That's a, as a true sign of a shutdown defense for either of those offenses. The Niners give up eighty-one point one yards per game. I mean, ground. back in the day, Tom, I remember in two thousand eight, like sixty yards, sixty per yards game. Yeah. a game, like a hundred and twenty or hundred thirty yards passing. Yeah, but that was a different. I mean, different that was era. that was only less than fifteen years ago. But yeah, that's the games what it changed was. very yeah. fast. But yeah, the Niners had eighty-one point one yards per game on the ground per game is. The new age, like sixty yards per game. On yeah, the it's, it's really sad impressive. because you want to see that number be you, super it's, low. It's like inflation. You just have For to sure. kind of go just up gotta have to understand the era of which it's being played. But I, I, I agree with you completely. Especially to go from that, if they were to get under the century mark this year, compared to where they were a year ago against the run. That would be a huge turnaround for this defense. Now, the Steelers' defense really got a black eye after that Bengals game, giving up 37 points. Yeah. Just too much. I mean, the, it's not even the first time they've done it. No, and it's this, not. But I think it was the biggest surprise when it 
and when it came or how it came, right? Because you play against Buffalo, dynamic offense. You play against the Eagles, dynamic offense, uh, and undefeated at the time. The Bengals, you had only allowed 17 points in the first half after you were up by three with 20 points on your own. And then the turnaround was they were able to score 20 points in the second half, and you basically came out completely flat. The Colts average 15.7 points per game. They are the 31st scoring offense in the NFL in front of? I have no idea. The Denver Broncos. Oh. 14.7 points per game. Really quick aside, I saw something about teams about Denver. Let's get off topic really quick. I saw something about Denver that said, of all the teams in the modern era since like 2000, to for their defense to allow less than 17 points a game or whatever Denver's defense is allowing – there have been like 13 teams. 11 of those, or I think all 13, made made it to 500 or better, and then 11 of those made it to the playoffs. And Denver stands where? At like 3-7? and seven? If Denver, I'll do you one better. If Denver's okay. offense could have scored 19 points oh, that's crazy. per game per this game, year, they'd, they'd be 9-1. and one. Yeah. They'd be 9-1. and <laughs> one. If they had the Steelers offense. They'd be 9-1. and one. They could be 9-1. and They could be they, like 8-2 you know, and you're, or 7-3. Right. They'd three. be like 7-3. and three. But yeah, you think it's bad? You could average a whole three points less per game if you're the Denver Broncos. But the Colts, they're terrible. Yeah. And that's a game I look at. And, you know, that Bengals game, yeah, it stinks you gave up all those points. But, like, the Bengals score 26.5 points per game. It could happen against a team like that. Can't happen against the Colts. No. you got to keep them under this, 17 points. I feel bad because— Actually, you got to do like you did against the Saints. They can't score more than 10. Right. I feel bad because we talk a lot about some poor matchups on Thursday night. On Monday night, this might be another— this might be another struggle to get through for the national audience on Monday night. Yeah, it's going to be a let's make the game as ugly as possible game plan, I think, for both sides, Saturday and uh, uh-huh, Tomlin, Tomlin as well. So buckle up, Monday night football, <laughs> Monday good. night football on ESPN. Be a barn burner. It might come down to just who's going to be able to run the ball more effectively. Both teams good against the run. Steelers, 7th best rush defense, like we said. Uh-huh. 11th best rush defense on the indie side of things. They're the 5th best offense in general when it comes to um stop or st- uh, excuse me fifth best defense in general when it comes to stopping yards per game you're saying the Colts the are. Colts are yeah. like they're on the elite side of defense and they're just outside the top 10 and giving up about 20 points per game even on the year which is like perfect for the Steelers it's like hey we score 20 points per game as an offense you give up 20 points per game let's go out there and win this game 20 to 10 right when I see that though I always have to think that it favors the defense like the, it favors the Colts yeah yeah because they're playing better offenses than the Steelers week yeah. week out and they have <laughs> and, the they're 20 gonna, and they're only allowing 20 points where the Steelers can average only 20 points that Colts defense could possibly shut down that Steelers offense but if the Steelers want to have success Get the ground game going. For sure. Najee, again, back-to-back weeks, I came away with a good performance as my evaluation. He averaged over four yards per carry again. He had 90 yards on the ground on just 20 carries this week. Maybe feed him a little bit more. Game didn't really dictate you can do that. You were chasing uh, ever since the second half started, and you went three and out. The Bengals took the lead and never looked back at that point. Mm. So I kind of get not getting him that many carries in the second half. But he was effective, and... It's really probably going to come down to can he run well against this indie defense and can your Steeler defense stop Jonathan Taylor from going crazy? I think that's the biggest key of this game is running the football. I mean, 
a year ago, Tom, on Thanksgiving. Wasn't it Patriots and Colts? It was around Thanksgiving. Do you remember they played a a, a primetime game? I think it was Christmas. Was it? Cri- You're right. It was. it was Christmas. And New England's defense, right, really good against the run. And we know the the, the narrative with Belichick. He's going to take away your best weapon. He's going to make you beat him elsewhere. But Jonathan Taylor ran all over New yeah, England. Yeah, the Colts crushed him in that game, right? Ran all over New England. So, to, <clears throat> excuse me, Jonathan Taylor is quite obviously the X factor for that offense. If he has, I'm not saying he has to have a career day, but if he's getting close to 150 yards a game, it probably will indicate a Colts win. Everybody's going to be watching the offense with a magnifying glass, especially the wide receiver position. You're saying Espe- the Steelers? Steelers offense, okay. Especially number 18 on the Steelers offense, you know. I mean, that magnifying glass, or rather that spotlight, gets brighter every week. I just feel like, you know, the pressure can kind of get sensed being boiling over just a little bit, right? Like you're turning it up a little mm-hmm. bit on him. And I don't think it's beyond anybody to kind of snap a little bit when you're having a struggling season like this. So as the weeks go on and on and they kind of compound, people are going to be keeping a lot uh, closer eye on Deontay and how his body language looks and how his behavior looks. But you can see on film some body language saying I'm wide open mm-hmm. and the quarterback just not finding him. And I think what's concerning right now isn't necessarily that Kenny Pickett's having trouble finding the wide receiver because that's growing pains with a rookie, but it kind of seems like the guy that's always the odd man out to him is Deontay, yeah. and you don't want to get into a habit which of is, just not throwing to Deontay. Which is crazy because that was the case even with Chase Claypool. Here. And I don't want to people like think you we're go back that far. Yeah, we're not accusing Kenny of not liking Deontay Johnson and not throwing it to him because he personally doesn't like the guy. I just think that it's a weird habit that's forming where he's not looking at him and he's going to Pickens first and Firemuth first. And those are his two safety valve. Firemuth's his safety valve. Pickens is his star. And then Najee's his dump off. And he's not even thinking about the Deontay Johnson. You don't want him to get into that habit of not even yeah. thinking about it. And based off of targets and catches over the past couple of weeks, I know Deontay had that one splash play against the Saints two weeks ago. That was a 35 yard pass down the right sideline. But that's really it, right? That's the only thing you can you can put a pin down and say, oh, well, that's where that connection is is solid. What do you think about what Tomlin said about Deontay where he's just covered and we can't get him the ball? That statement is disputed is by little, other people yeah. that we wa- know watch a lot of film. You watch, I mean, I'm not trying to say that Tomlin doesn't watch as much film. but Oh, Tomlin could have been lying there. That's where he could. And I think he could have been lying to maybe protect his rookie quarterback a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're being questioned and you have so many things to discuss, the job as a head coach is to defend his team, defend his players. Absolutely. So I don't think it, I think it was almost instinctual of him to say, no, it's it's not Deontay's fault. But Matt Williamson always likes to say, as a rule of thumb, Deontay's always open. I mean, we we saw it. We we saw it in his first couple of years of his career, and then I remember too at training camp, Tom. The one thing everyone was talking about, once the contract disputes were up, right? Once the contract was signed and everything was agreed upon, for the first, what was it, the first 10 days of the first two weeks of training camp when he wasn't yet signed or maybe the first week or so, you were watching the younger guys like um, Anthony Miller and Miles Boykin and Gunner run all the same kind of uh, route trees or whatever or, or drills. And you even saw George Pickens do the same. 
the separation or the other or the the foot movement drills, right? Everyone was watching those saying, okay, it looks good, looks good. And then the first day Deontay came out, everyone was like, that is what it should look like. That is a dictionary kind of moment of that is exactly what those foot drills are meant to are or how they're meant to be executed. So I, I I mean, I'm not blaming Tomlin here for defending his guys, but it's kind of upsetting because you want to know really what what is going on. Because you you can assume that Deontay is capable of getting out of those man-to-man coverages, if not zone coverages. He's able to get open. So uh, it's really frustrating for us to not know why he's not more a part of this offense. It might get harder this week as well because the secondary for the Colts has some dudes back there. Uh, former Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore, uh-huh. leads the way for them. And although he's not Defensive Player of the Year level good, he's still pretty damn good, yeah. still pretty damn impactful for that Colts secondary. And I think the thing with them is they trust their starting corners a lot. They barely go into dime. You won't see six defensive backs on the field. For Andy, it's probably a combination of, you know, good linebacking coverage, and when Leonard's healthy, that's even more so true that he can cover slot receivers. He's that good of a linebacker. But without him, they still kind of try to keep that same DNA on defense. They don't go dime really at all. But with Stephon Gilmore and then Kenny Moore on the other side, there's not really a guy that you can point to and circle as a weakness. I mean, Moore might be the best slot corner in the NFL and there's not much of a drop off when he jumps outside. It's going to be a tough game I think for the receivers and for Pickett. You're definitely getting a step up in class from where you were against the Bengals last week where Pickens got open a lot against those defensive backs. I don't think it's going to be as easy this week. It may not be, but it may not be the end of the Steelers. It may not be the losing formula. No, because right? I think you got to run. Yeah. I think that's the the game plan on both sides, I think, is run the football. If we can control the ground game, I think the passes will be there when we need them to be. Mm-hmm. And, well, the Colts know Matt Ryan will make a few of them because and, he's Matt Ryan. Hopefully Pickett can match. And you have to assume you're not going to be down – Double digits super early, so that you have to abandon the run and get. You shouldn't be passing. right. That's what I'm saying. You have to assume you won't be. You have to hope you won't be. It'd be pretty upsetting, pretty, de- pretty depleting to you if that does happen. But this offense, as you mentioned, is what second to last or last in points or second to last in points per game scored offensively. So I can't imagine the Colts are going to just rush out there. 21 points in the first half and then force the Steelers to pass the ball way too much, way, way much more than they were expecting to. I also think that you got to turn Matt Ryan over at least a couple times. That's a given. That should be part of the keys. Sack him, rough him up a lot, and don't let him outthink you on the field because yeah. I think that's the part of his game that's still obviously at that elite level. He thinks the game better than anybody that's going to be on the field on that Sunday. Kenny's too By young. far. Mitch on the bench is not as experienced. I mean, the next Ryan. the next guy who thinks the game best in, in the quarterback position is also on the Colts and, and, and Nick Ra- Foles. <laughs> I thought I was going to say Frank Reich for some reason. But <laughs> yeah, Nick Foles. Uh, but with Matt Ryan, you're getting a dude that – and I think that's kind of what has helped smooth the transition and you don't see a lot of – pre-snap penalties or struggling to get in and out of the huddle. The minutia that is so he important. Saturday's just like, dude, Nat Ryan's starting. I'm not having Ellinger try right. to break the huddle and, and coordinate the offense. Let's just hand the keys to Matt. So 
Don't let them outthink you. Don't let them outsmart you on the field. Rough them up a lot. Don't give them enough time to think because I still think he can hurt you if he does have enough time to think. Yeah, I agree. But again, that time shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be. Right. And along the same lines of the turnovers, let's keep this theme, Kenny. Well, we want to see you get better in a lot of areas, but let's still keep this theme of no turnovers post bye week. I like it. I like that two games yeah. in a row, not giving the ball to the other team. You know who else likes it? I'm damn sure Coach Tomlin. Oh, I'm it. sure. No one likes protecting that football like no. Coach T. Subscribe right now to our podcast, The Steelers Standard. You can get it anywhere you find your podcast, the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, or like I said, Apple, Spotify, anywhere where podcasts are available. We're not doing a show on Friday. That means we're jamming all of our fun stuff Everything. into one episode. So we're doing power rankings next. We're going to rank the NFL Whoop-ay. next, and then we'll light that fireplace and talk about the rest of the league in our last episode. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opperman. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Steelers Standard. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Thermador at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.